Welcome to episode number 11 of HearthCast, a podcast for the average World of Warcraft player with your hosts, Root, who was welcomed back to Azeroth with open arms, and Freckleface, Gnome Rogue, who is getting paid for her pastries. In this episode, we're going to teach you how to get the best performance out of World of Warcraft. Then we're also going to do Root's Auction House Antics. I will give you my pronunciation ponage, fishing for wishes, and we'll also cover awesome add-ons. But before that, we'll check in with this week's happenings. What's up in-game, out-of-game with Blizzard. We'll give you some greetings and salutations and some website updates and this week's inbox. Don't forget, you can visit us online at www.hearthcast.com. Our email address, should you wish to contribute to the show, send a shout-out, or ask a question is contribute at hearthcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash hearthcast. You can always find the show on iTunes under Hearthcast. You can call our Hearthcast ACN digital hotline to leave your questions, your comments, your shout-outs, your predictions, anything that you want to leave there. That number is 321-558-7637. You can always get our RSS feed right from our website or via FeedBurner. And now you can subscribe to our show outline, which is a free newsletter of sorts, right off of HearthCast.com as well. So, Frackleface, what's going on with you this week in the world of Warcraft? Oh, I had a fun week this week, Root. Um, I finished up Noble Garden. I was able to get the title, The Noble. Um, I've been starting on Children's Week. And you know, last week we did, you know, our episode was about making gold. Right. And the reason why I kind of want to do that is because I was in this make money mode and I had, it was piling up and I was feeling kind of itchy with that. So this week I had finally saved up enough to buy the Grand Ice Mammoth, nice. which carries two passengers. What it does not do, despite forum comments, is take no damage when you fall. Found that out pretty quickly. Oh, no. Um, but after I bought that, I, sp- I spent all of my money. I bought everything that I've been holding back on. You know, I got a 22-slot bag. I gymmed all of my gear. I got new glyphs, new item enchants, the whole work. So I went from being hoarding all this money to having almost nothing. So you just went yeah, on a big fun. shopping spree. Oh, yes. It was nice. Well, now you have to go back and listen to last week's podcast. You can make a ton of money and uh, recap all that, recoup all that gold that you lost. Or spent, (laughs) not lost, but spent. Spent. What's going on with you this week, Root? Well, I am back in game. Uh, I've actually worked it back into my schedule, even though I'm still on the tight deadlines uh, with production right now. Uh, I've worked it back in the game. I got in there. I've done some dailies. I picked up another egg from... uh, Oh, the the, the Oracle. Yeah, the Oracle guys. Picked up an egg from them. See, it's been so long, I forgot who they were. But I knew where they were. That's what's important. So I got my egg, and I did some dailies with all the walrus people. So I'm trying to get exalted with them so I can go get my fishing pole. So I just kind of did that, and I'm hoping tonight to get on and, uh, and run some uh, some heroics. So that's what I'm doing uh, in the game this week. Now, with the Blizzard, like we said, it's Children's Week. Um, and I did do a short cast on it, kind of saying what you want to get out of it, whether it's a pet or the title. But what you might want to notice about that is that when it came live, it did not have the achievement called Once an Orphan, Always an Orphan. And the the goal of that was to kill 10 enemy players with their orphan out. 
Now, personally, I'm really glad they removed this because I don't think it fit in really with what Children's Week is all about. The point is to really to give back to the orphans of the war. I mean, you know, when you go around, when you do the whole quest for them, you adopt them. You know, you take them to some scary places and they get excited and they thank you and give them some junk food. When you bring them back, they give you a pet. They say, oh, take care of this for me. And, you know, a few hours later, a day later, they write you a letter telling you how much they miss you and how they'll always remember you. So when you add in the achievement to where you are getting recognition for killing people who have an orphan with them, I just think it didn't really fit in with the spirit of Children's Week or even the spirit of what being an adventurer is about. I can when you see say, that. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Yeah, there's a... Uh... There's a big disconnect there. It is. And actually, if you go and you search for it, there's a lot of people who complained on the forums about that, about it seeming kind of cruel. So that that is one of the things that they listened to and went ahead and removed. Also, there's an achievement called the School of Hard Knocks, which requires you to, you know, capture a flag in Eye of the Storm, return a fallen flag in Warsaw Gulch, assault a tower in Arathi, in Altar Valley, and then assault the flag in the Rathi Basin. Now, what this is doing with PvP is throwing off the whole dynamics. Yeah, because it kind of sounds like it's forcing people to, if they want to get that achievement, to go do battlegrounds that they may not have otherwise done. Right, and it's not just that. When you're there, the focus isn't on winning. Everyone's just looking out for themselves, trying to get that one task done. And if you're a healer or a clothy or whatever, you're not necessarily suited for capturing the flag like someone who might be a tank would be so it just doesn't seem kind of fair to put those really aggressive pvp tactics in there and require everyone to do and then if you are going in there just to do regular battlegrounds you're not interested in children's week then you got the whole game for example warsong gulch is turtling because no one wants to be on the defensive they're on the offensive trying to capture a fallen flag Right, and imagine as soon as people do get their achievement, they're, they're, they're AFKing out of the battleground. Oh, you betcha, especially since they can go back right where they were to questing. So that's, um, that's interesting, that little dynamic that's gotten thrown off there. That's uh, something I, I don't think Blizzard could have anticipated or expected that to happen. So that's interesting. I don't know. I think it might have been better just to do have a victory in each of the, in each of the battlegrounds, and then everyone would be there to win. Makes more sense to me. Yeah. The other thing that's going on with Blizzard is the Authenticators are back in stock. So you can go to the Blizzard store now and for, oh, seven bucks or so, uh, get yourself in a Blizzard Authenticator, which will give you a unique passcode, numer numerical passcode, to associate with your account. So every time you go to log in, you hit the button, it gives you your special number. You type that special number in, in addition to your password. So anybody who's having any issues that we've talked about in the past with accounts getting compromised, uh, then the Blizzard Authenticator, which is you know is a an application that you get for a dollar on the iPhone uh, or the iPod Touch, uh, you can also pick up the physical key ring of uh, Blizzard Authenticator for about six bucks out of the uh, Blizzard store. Mine's on the way. Ordered it the other day. It should be here in a couple of days, and uh, I will let you know exactly how that works. I think they even waived the shipping fees for that, you didn't they? You are correct. They? Yeah, there are no shipping fees for that right now at all. 
Now, what is in our inbox for the week, Root? Uh, there are a couple emails here. We've got one from Lighthawk who says, I just wanted to thank you for your podcast. I've not been playing long, and I am a complete podcast-aholic. I have a long daily commute and spend that time with my podcast. During that time, I reviewed many podcasts, and yours is the only one that spoke to the way I play. You give helpful hints that I can't get anywhere else, as most shows are targeted at the 80th level crowd. So far, you've instructed me in the fine art of macros, helped me get out of the poorhouse, and directed me to two add-ons that I don't think I could live without now. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. One quick request. Is there any chance that you could use the music from Benny Hill for the bloopers reel? Just once? Maybe. It's the song that I hear in my head every time the bloopers start. Thanks again. Well, Lighthawk, the blooper reel this week is yours. If we make any bloopers, uh, we will we'll, we'll, we'll accommodate that. We will definitely find the uh, Benny Hill theme song for you, and we'll make that happen. So when Freckleface messes up, we'll get that blooper. Aww. Aww, sad face. And we will uh, we'll throw that on there for you. So, yes, we really do appreciate the kudos. It's definitely uh, an encouragement for us. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for that. And uh, like I said, this blooper reel is for you. So this next one is from Raylan. And Raylan wants to know, what is the easiest daily? Well, I will tell you, this is a little known fact. Easiest quest, not just daily, but in the game. It is called Assault by Air. It is an ice crown. Now, if you look at the description of it, it doesn't sound too clear what you're supposed to do. Um, you basically, you get on this little plane, and it flies you around, and you got these parachuters that you're supposed to drop over, over Ice Crown. And what you're supposed to do is, they said they had their engineers install a suppression turret to shut down the spear guns, just fire around near any gun, and the smoke should block its side and clog its gear. And I couldn't really figure out what to do for this quest. So I just kind of like use the vehicle controls and kind of shot at things randomly. But I kind of, I soon realized no matter what I did, it always dropped two infiltrators per per round before I got shot down and had to get back on the vehicle again. So then one time I said, oh, I'll just not do anything. And it still dropped two. Hmm. So that is my daily now. I, I accept the quest. I get on the thing. I fly. I space out, sit back, then I get credit for two, do it one more time, then I have the quest done. So do you know, how long does it take to do each flight? Probably about two minutes. Okay, so there's... It seems like forever, it's probably not that long. It's hard to judge, I haven't timed it. Okay, well just, you know, enough time to go grab a cup of coffee. So if you do your dailies in the morning, there you go. Maybe, but the thing is, when it drops you, you're in um, enemy territory. Alright, so forget about the coffee. But you can sit back, you can space out, you can just kind of watch, you don't have to do anything. So that's something I guess, um, you know, you heard it here first probably, but until Blizzard fixes that, (laughs) I guess you don't do anything, just enjoy the ride, huh? You can take a potty break if you're quick. Now for our main content of the week, we are going to be telling you, or Root is going to be telling you, how to get better game performance. And I have use some pretty bad computers my history of playing WoW and I'm going to tell you right now why it sucks to have bad performance first thing is you can't enjoy the scenery Outland and Northrend especially are really absolutely beautiful when you're high up in the air and you can look down and you can see waterfalls you can see 
glaciers, everything. It is gorgeous. And I think when you're paying, you know, fourteen ninety nine a month or however much you pay if you're an extended plan, you want to be able to enjoy what you're paying for. Sure. And I just it just makes such a big difference in the game just to have that, you know, nice scenery there. Um, the other thing why it sucks is that it's it's hard to do quests because you can't see very far away. And there's one particular one in Borean Tundra over in Caldera where you're supposed to snag these flying drakes out of the air. And I can never do it because I could see, I don't know, three feet above me. And the quest required you to be able to see a lot farther away than that. So I just ended up kind of giving up. And even an Ice Crown, you know they have the Skybreaker running around, and I don't know what the Horde Shift name is. I was using this add-on, Cartographer 3, that wouldn't put it on the map, so I would never know where the ship was. Right, I remember you flying around and me having to fly to the ship and telling you where I was on the map so you could come find me. It was awful, and I'd, I'd, I'd put in general chat, like, hey, where's the ship? And people would say, um, look up. Look up. And now, now I can just, it doesn't matter where I am, I can just fly up in the top and I can see it and I can go to it. You know, I don't have to look for it. It's awesome. That's awesome. The other thing is, when you're lagging, it puts a cramp on not only PvP, but PvE. Um, and if you want an example of really bad lag, Winter Grasp is terrible for that right now. Where everyone's just kind of like running in place and when the battle's over, you kind of feel like it wasn't really fair. Because everyone's kind of stuck. So, but when it's just you and it's your computer doing that and you're not doing as well as you could, people are, you know, ambushing you and they can't catch them. Um, it's kind of discouraging when, you know, it's your computer. Same thing with PvP, PvE, you know, you're doing instances and raids. And it's really easy to get overwhelmed by what's going on and not being able to see what you're doing when you have, when you don't have good performance. And you know, the one bad thing about the performance guide that I'm about to give is when people or if people do follow it, um, there's no more excuses. You know, you can't be a healer and miss a heal and go lag, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is something I hate. I hate if I'm in an instance and, and you get a, you know, you die like, Oh man, I died, you know, and they go, Oh, I lagged. It's like, look, at least tell me I didn't see you because you're a little gnome. Don't tell me you <laughs> lagged out. You know? oh, I'm sure people can always just say they lagged. Leg. So what can be done about these things? I'm going to preface this entire segment by saying that if you are uncertain of anything that I say, then don't do it. Hire a professional. Have them optimize your system for you. That should run you about $100, but you'll get more than $100 enjoyment out of the optimization that they do. Again, if you are uncertain, unclear, unsure, maybe just a little bit sure, have an inkling of what I'm talking about, unless you're 110% crystal clear sure about what I'm talking about, do not attempt to make the following changes. They can render your system useless. I feel kind of like Mythbusters or some show that says, you know, don't do anything I'm about to tell you unless you are a professional and can handle it. So... We are not going to talk about overclocking. If you want to overclock your system, that is your accepted risk. You take it, not me. I'm not going to even suggest it. What we are going to talk about is BIOS tweaks, Windows XP tweaks, 
Mac tweaks, and actual network tweaks. However, because of the nature and the severity of how bad you can hose your system up here, I'm just going to cover each one of them as what they are, not how to go in and do it. Again, if you're unsure, please, please, please take your computer system to a professional, have them do it for you. Simply tell them you want your system optimized for gameplay, online gameplay, World of Warcraft gameplay, and let them take care of it for you. In BIOS, the very first thing we're going to do in BIOS is make sure that we are running the latest firmware version of our BIOS from the BIOS manufacturer. Just like anything else, there are updates available for your BIOS. If you're not running the latest thing, there could be little you know, segments that you're missing. Improved performance to the motherboard, to the chipset. Something could have been changed to make your system better. So, get the latest version, flash your BIOS, make sure you're always running the latest version of BIOS. While we're in BIOS, we're going to change our memory latency time. Lower latency times equals better memory performance, which in turn equals better system performance. We're also going to disable our unneeded ports. When is the last time you did anything with a serial or parallel port? If you don't need those ports, why bother letting your system take up system resources in talking to those ports? Disable them. You don't need them. While we're disabling things, we're also going to disable any unused built-in feature on the motherboard. A lot of motherboards these days come with built-in graphic cards, network cards, sound cards, whatever case it might be. A lot of people replace those with their own network card, video card, or sound card, or whatever it might be. If you do replace those and you don't need the onboard version of it, disable that in BIOS. We also want to make sure we're using the correct AGP mode for our video cards. Video cards in AGP mode are in 2, 4, and 8 by modes. You want to make sure that your BIOS and your video card are both set to use the same. Most cards these days are 8x. Make sure that we're using the same one in BIOS that is on our card. We also want to enable the AGP Master 1WS Write Read. This is one of the settings that can make a huge difference in graphic performance if your BIOS and your card support them. Now these are typically also two separate settings, one for read, one for write. Make sure they are both enabled. We want to also, while we're on the AGP card, we want to enable AGP Fast Write. The Fast Write BIOS setting allows a processor to communicate directly with the graphics processor, ignoring the need to send the data through the system's memory. This gives us a significant performance boost in our graphics card. We also want to set our video memory cache mode. There are two options for this, the UC, which is uncacheable, and the UCWC, the uncacheable speculative write combining. The UCWC setting allows the video card to buffer information moving between the processor and the video memory, making for more effective data transfer. The UC setting completely disables this. If your card supports it, enabling the UCWC will provide a performance advantage. Now that's it about BIOS. Let's move on to Windows XP. Step number one, of course, obtain the latest drivers for all your hardware. This should be done on a routine basis anyhow. But make sure that you are running the latest drivers for your video card, your network card, your sound card, any piece of hardware that you have to squeeze the best performance out of it. We want to stop the last access update stamp. Every time a directory on an NTFS drive is accessed by Windows XP, it updates that directory's timestamp and every subdirectory on there with a timestamp to indicate the date of the last access. 
In folders with a lot of subdirectories like, mm, gee, I don't know, our add-ons folder, it can add a considerable overhead to whatever your PC happens to be doing at that time. We also want to disable the 8.3 naming convention. 8.3 is left over from the DOS days and the pre-Windows XP days. When a file name was limited to 8 characters, a dot, and then 3 characters for the extension. Every time you name a file, you have a Windows XP version, if you will, of 255 characters limit and an 8.3 format. There are some programs that still require the 8.3 naming convention. Anything by Norton will require that. So be careful if you do disable that. But it does take up a lot of extra resources that you don't really need. We can keep Windows operating system data in the main memory. XP contains a lot of tweakable memory settings in a registry, one of which is the Disable Paging Executive Registry Key. This controls whether the operating system will transfer the essential driver and kernel files to the virtual memory, or our page file, on the hard disk. It defaults to this. This is slow. Transferring portions of the system to the hard drive can considerably slow things down. And what happens is Windows does this periodically, whether or not the system is low on physical memory or RAM or not. So we want to prevent it from doing that. So it keeps it all in main memory, not to the page file. We also want to disable our performance counters. Uh, since Windows 2000, there's this performance monitor utility that you can find in the administrative tools, which tracks several areas of the PC's performance. Everything from the CPUs to hard drive access can be tracked and graphed. The information for this utility comes from several performance counter services, which are always running behind the scenes, gathering information so that the monitor can display those for you. If it's something you do not need and you didn't even know you had, get rid of it. This is just taxing your system for system resources that it desperately needs to play anything online. You can get a utility called the Extensible Performance Counter List and disable all the performance counters that uh, you don't really need anyhow. Also, we want to move our page file from the system drive to a secondary drive if that is available to you. If you have more than one hard drive on your system, have your page file exist on that second drive. That way we're not constantly accessing the same drive for our data for the game, for our data for the operating system, and then using that same portion or another portion, reserved portion of that hard drive for the memory swap. You're just really taxing that hard drive when we're doing that. So if you can put your page file system on another hard drive, go for it. We also want to create a permanent page file. And this is a little trick that I've been doing since about day one with this. If you make the minimum size of the page file the same size as the maximum size, the operating system no longer has to adjust that page file. See, here's the thing. It'll say I'll reserve up to a certain amount, which is the maximum size, but I can shrink so I don't have to be that large. So it's constantly pulling and adjusting the size of that page file, which is, again, adding more system resources to do that. So if we create a permanent size, it doesn't have to do that anymore. So we, re we are relieving the computer system from having to do anything. While we're on the page file, we also want to optimize it. What happens when we first set it up, XP sets at about 1.5 times the amount of actual physical memory you have by default. Now this is good for systems that have low, a lot of low amount of RAM, like under 512 megs. But in WoW, we're not going to see that. We're going to see a lot higher RAM. So when you really look at it, that's kind of wasted space after that. At 1.5, you really don't need anymore after about 512 megs of RAM. 
So if you have less than 5 out of 12, leave it. Leave it alone. If you have more, which I'm sure everybody does, change it to about a one-to-one ratio for the page file size to memory size. So if I'm running with 4 gigs of RAM, I should have a 4 gig page file size uh, limitation. There's also a defrag page utility that will defrag your page file. SysInternals makes this. This is good to run on your page file to keep everything running smoothly in and out of that page file that you have. We can set priorities for important programs. If we use one program the majority of the time, we can focus, if you will, our system on that one particular application by increasing its priority. Most applications by default are set to the normal priority, so if you change your favorite app to a higher level, it will boost its performance, especially if you're using other applications at the same time. On our hard drives, we should always check our hard drives with ScanDisk. With time and heavy use, drives suffer issues. Now, we can defrag those, and yeah, that helps us out a little bit, but there are certain areas that defrag is not going to touch. So we always want to go through and we want to use ScanDisk about once a month or so uh, to deal with issues such as lost clusters or bad sectors that defrag just can't do anything with. So ScanDisk once a month. XP does a real nasty thing. DLLs, dynamic link libraries. In concept, these things are beautiful. They're little files that contain data or functions that Windows programs can call when they're needed by linking to them. And each piece of Windows software has some instructions to tell Windows, I need it, I need to access it, and when I'm done, I don't need it anymore. But what happens is Windows XP caches those DLLs. It keeps them around after that program is closed, just in case. Now what happens is, you know, Windows is trying to think, okay, that person just opened up this particular file. Let me uh, kind of read their mind, and they may need this again, so let me keep these DLLs in memory so the next time they open up, it opens up a lot faster. Don't need it. That's a lot of wasted space. You can very easily force Windows XP to unload the DLLs as soon as that program is closed. You ever been there about to duel somebody, about to get ganked, and they seem just to be moving all over the place at the speed of light, and you're having a problem getting over to your character, giving the mouse pointer to even move to your character? And there's a reason for that. Windows XP applies an acceleration curve to the mouse by default. Meaning, every time you move your mouse, it starts off slow and accelerates with a continual movement as you get closer to whatever else you're getting to. Now, you can go into your simple control panel and disable that or speed it up. But you have to go into the registry to actually completely disable it. So as fast as you move your mouse, the fast as that mouse pointer is moving. So I would highly suggest that, give you the PVP edge on what you're doing in there. We also want to disable the automatic sensing on network cards. This is going to help our network a little bit through Windows XP. It'll help our performance by reducing occasional slowdown periods of heavy CPU access for no apparent reason. What's going on here? XP, by default, automatically assesses the speed of our network cards, and sets them accordingly. So you can be going on and doing stuff, and all of a sudden you're going, hey, I just got a spike of lag on my computer. Nobody else noticed it. What's going on? All you have to do 
is manually set the media type of your network card to the correct value. You know what speed your network runs. Is it 10 megs? Is it 100 megs? What is it? You know the speed. Go in there and tell your network card what the speed is to prevent Windows from trying to figure out what it is periodically and adjust it accordingly. Verify the DMA mode is set for all drives. A lot of times when XP is installed, hard drives and CD drives may occasionally be set to the PIO mode for transferring data, which is slower than the default DMA, which is direct memory access mode, used by all modern drives. A quick check of our drive settings can find and correct this error, which will allow our drives to perform at their maximum performance. We want to enable write caching on all hard disks. If it's not already set up, Enabling the hard drive write-back cache on each of the drives will, will improve their performance by making the transferring of data between the hard drive and memory more efficient. The only time you would not want to do this if we're talking about a hot swappable drive um, or you have problems with power in your area where your PC gets shut off uh, inadvertently a lot. So enable that write cache back that will improve the speed of the data transfer between memory and the hard drive. XP has this little thing called the indexing service. There's another thing we're going to turn off. What this indexing service does is it constantly creates and updates an index of every file on your computer. All this is used for is speeding up searches. So unless you just don't know where anything is on your computer and you always forget where stuff is and you're doing a lot of searches and you don't want to waste any time doing searches for stuff on your computer, then turn it off. Because it's creating a, 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 a database of, of sorts of things you don't need. You've got an index of files of every file on your computer system just in case you do a search. Turn it off unless you don't know where anything is on your computer. Also, XP, just like Windows 2000, has a nasty habit of dropping the refresh rate on your screen down about 60 hertz when you're playing anything in full screen. So we may not even be aware of this. If you have a problem with frame rates uh, dropping at about 60 per second, unless we have the V-Sync disabled, then you have to go into whatever video card you have. It's ATI, NVIDIA, whatever it is. Use utilities that come with this, and you can override the refresh rate limitation. With Windows XP, you also have a nice little thing called QoS Bandwidth Reserve Setting. Now, this is different from the quality of service that we'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, this one has really gone back and forth, played a little bit of, of technical ping pong with people on this one. You see, the Windows XP networking setup has a quality of service provision, which allows certain software, which is anything that's been written to take advantage of this, to reserve up to 20% of the bandwidth of a given network connection. Now... This does not mean that 20% of the bandwidth is withheld by the operating system at all times. What it means is that certain programs can reserve that percentage of bandwidth for themselves when they're running. So you can remove that, not have it around, and not worry about, hey, am I running 10 other programs while I'm wondering, running WoW or, or what? So remove the QS bandwidth reserve settings. That wraps up our Windows tips. Now, our Mac tips. The first and foremost, if you are running a MacBook Pro, get some kind of an external fan to keep your system cool. I've got a nice external USB fan that blows cool air constantly across the keyboard. I've also got one of the cool stands that the laptop sits on, so I'm constantly keeping cool air 
moving around the computer and preventing it from overheating. And here's why. The MacBook Pro continuously monitors the system thermal and power conditions, and it can adjust the processor speed as needed to maintain an optimal system operation. In other words, if the system starts overheating, it'll slow stuff down to prevent it from getting out of control. Now, you can get an application from SMC Fan Control that will override the fan settings and run your fans at a higher speed to keep your processor cooler. But what I found is by you know buying a $3 external USB fan and pointing it at the computer, it keeps it running even cooler than it does by increasing my fan speed. In the Mac, we also want to turn off our Finder animations. All this does is keep things moving in the background that we don't need. Whenever Finder is looking for things or doing something on its own, there's animations that run. So you can turn those off. It'll increase our performance overall. We can set our dock to 2D mode. Uh, there's a simple command line for do that. It's pretty quick. You can also use a little program called Dock Doctor to do that. You can switch back and forth after you're done. If you don't, if you want the 3D dock, uh, whenever, whenever you're not playing well, fine. You want the 2D while you're playing well because you're not using it anyhow. But those system resources are still allocated for that dock. Same thing with uh, Spotlight. We want to disable Spotlight while we're playing WoW. We don't need it. It's system resources that are standing by just in case somebody does a search on Spotlight. Our dashboard, the same thing. System resources are being sucked up by dashboard when we don't need them. So go ahead and disable dashboard. There are a lot of little tweaks that get put in to make programs run better, but as a system overall, it decreases the system performance. You can get an application called XSlimmer that will help you slim down those applications and remove a lot of their so-called optimizations to make them run better as opposed to making your system as a whole run better. Any kind of applications or components that you need to get rid of on your Mac, use AppZapper. Get rid of them. You don't need them in there. Monolingual will remove any unneeded localization files or language packs, anything that is sitting around waiting for someone to change to make their experience better as opposed to yours. Use monolingual to get that. Now, just like we talked about in XP, the Mac has something called Renicer. The Renice or the Renice command will give a greater priority to whatever application you tell it to. So if I want to renice WoW while it's running, I drop down the command line, renice WoW, give it a higher priority. It will then run at a higher priority than other things on my system, which means it gives it better performance. Now moving on to our network, there's a couple things we're going to talk about here. First one, this is something a lot of people tend to overlook. If you're running Wi-Fi in 802.11b on an 802.11g network, you've got an issue. See, here's the thing. 802.11b devices will slow down an 802.11g network. 802.11g, they claim, is backwards compatible down to 802.11b. Sure. It is, in a way, but what happens is it slows itself down, and any other 802.11g device on the network will slow down to basically let the 802.11b network device play with it. It's kind of like, you remember growing up in school, and you had that one kid that always got picked last on the kickball team, but you still played kickball, and you, you kind of slowed the game down just a little bit to make sure he could kick? Same deal. Upgrade. 
upgrade everything to the same revision. If you're running an 802.11G hub or router, then get an 802.11G network card. Quality of service on the router. This is, again, different than what we talked about the quality service and within Windows on the network stack. World of Warcraft uses port, uh, TCP port 3724. The Blizzard downloader uses TCP port 6112 and a range of 6881 through 6999. Incidentally, BitTorrent also uses 6881 and 6999. If you go into your router and you set up a quality of service for those ports, any traffic going across your network will receive a higher priority if they're on those particular ports. So I go into my router and I say, you know what? Install a quality of service for TCP port 3724. Allow this to have the maximum priority on my network. What this does is speed up anything I'm doing in WoW. If I have voice over IP going, or if I am streaming video, or if I'm streaming audio, whatever else I'm doing will get knocked down if I'm playing the World of Warcraft. This tip alone changed my entire game outlook when it came to Dalaran. I was calling it Lagaran. Hated it. Used to hate going on there. I know if I was Hearth in, ha in the Dalaran... Well, it's time to go make a cheese sandwich because it's going to take that long for this whole thing to catch up. Now, since I've made the change with the quality of service, it's perfect. It is a joy for me to run around Dalaran. So use quality of service on your network. Now, last but not least, if you can, get a gaming network card. Yeah, they make them. Website, www.killernick.com. Com, K I L L E R N I C dot com. This is a network card that is designed for gaming. It bypasses the Windows network stack, which reduces the in game ping, gives you the edge that you need. It offloads all network processing from the computer CPU to boost the frame rates, especially, you know, during those moments of intense action. The game network packets are prioritized so you get in and out of your game faster. All the data is moving back and forth, moves at the rate of, you know, better than your normal network cards. These things are optimized. So if you really want that advantage over anybody else that you're coming up against in the world of Warcraft, go visit www.killernick.com and get yourself a network gaming card. So that's going to wrap up the tips that I have for optimizing your BIOS, Windows, Mac, and Network to get the most out of the World of Warcraft. Well, thank you for that information, Root. And didn't you promise our listeners an auction house secret this week? Yes, I did. Anybody tuned into the short cast, I told you I would be uh, covering a little auction house tip along with a pretty unique way that a, uh, a fellow listener is uh, using this particular tip. Over in Duskwood... In Ravenhill, there are two buildings that have a second story. They have an upstairs. The inn, and the inn is one of those. And the other one is a nondescript building west of the inn. Now, in that little nondescript building west of the inn is a goblin upstairs. And it's a goblin alchemy vendor. And he sells a limited purchase recipe for shadow oil. And the tip basically kind of goes back to what I talked about 
uh, last week's podcast, one of the gold tips I gave there, and what I kind of hinted at in the shortcast this week as well, is the buying of limited items from vendors. Now, Duskwood, Ravenhill, the two buildings, nondescript one west of it's got two stories. Upstairs, Goblin Alchemy Vendor sells limited recipe for shadow oil. It sells for about 15 silver, and on a bad day will sell for four gold on the auction house. If you do your little bit of fuzzy math, you're looking at about a 2,500% profit for your money. Now, that's not a bad deal if you can do it over and over and over again. But, you know, geez, getting to Duskwood uh, is, is a chore sometimes, and then getting to an auction house to put that up in the auction house is also a chore. Well, what this guy's done is he managed to get a low-level tune over there, kind of like your mule, uh, kind of like your, uh, kind of like your, your auction house tune, except this is a loot mule. And what he does, he's got this little low-level tune parked over there, and he's got that item on a timer. He knows exactly how long it's going to be until that item is back in that vendor's bag, and he plays accordingly if he can. He would get over to that, log out of his character, log into his loot mule, go make the purchase, and then go and to the mailbox there in Duskwood and send that over to his auction house mule. He'll then log out, log on the auction house mule, put the item on the auction house, and be done with it. Go back to playing his game. So he's turning a 2,500% profit on one item. I'm sure we can look at it for gold. Yeah, is it a lot? Not really, but when that adds up and you're doing it multiple times a day, then you can easily see the profit add up on there. And that's one of the things about doing the limited item from vendors. The more you have of those, the more easy money you're going to make. This is one item with a 2,500% profit. So if you multiply that by, you know, five, six, seven items that you're getting in limited quantities of, then your profits start to skyrocket. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people, even if they knew that that was something they could buy from a vendor, they might just want to pay the four gold anyway to not have to go to Duskwood and sit there and time it out. Because I, what I really don't like is people who price gouge the stuff that you buy from vendor. Well, it's done as a matter of convenience. I mean, there's an entire market in the United States and other countries that has thrived on that. When you go and get gas, it's a matter of convenience that that store is there and will sell you a bottle of iced tea for $1.39 that you can pick up in the grocery store for $0.99. Cents. So they're making a 40% a forty cent profit because of convenience, and people are willing to pay it. It's the same thing that happens in World of Warcraft. If I know that I can make myself bandages and put them on the auction house, and sell them, people will do that, and they'll buy those as opposed to making them themselves. Or if I know that I can go to a vendor and buy oil or used to be the recipe books, uh, instead of having to run across, people will pay for that convenience all the time. Right. If you don't want to get ripped off by someone who is just repeatedly going to a vendor and then buying something for 15 silver and then putting on the auction house for 20 gold, you know, make sure you do have auctioneer because that will tell you in the tooltip if it's something that is sold by vendors in the game. Right. It'll tell you who sells it, and then you can just do a quick search on you know, Alakazam or Wowhead to find out where that vendor is and go make the trick yourself if 
it's worth your time. If it's not and your price isn't too bad, you have to ask yourself how much your time is worth on that one. So it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's an even call. So, hey, Freckleface, what'd you fish up this week? I fished up this week Muradin Bronzebeard's Silver Coin. Now, this coin is inscribed. It says, May the Holy Light protect us on our expedition to the frozen north. Now, Muradin is the brother of the dwarf king, Magni Bronzebeard, and he's the brother of the explorer, Bran Bronzebeard. Now, Muradin, everyone thought that he had died in Northrend when Arthas had claimed the Runeblade Frostmourne. But if you're questing in Storm Peaks, you find out that Muradin didn't die, but he had been wandering around with amnesia since then. Bum, bum, bum. So, do you think the coin protected him or not? Uh, well, he's not dead. So, in that sense, yes. Because something had to happen to him to get the amnesia. True. And he did reunite with his brother. That's what happens in the quest. Well, okay, then. And he gets his memory back. They they act like they know each other. I don't know if it's all of a sudden like, oh, I remember everything that happened. Who knows? But he was, he's not dead. I guess that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So it protected him. So his wish came true. We'll go with that. Yep. All right. Now, do you have an awesome add-on for us this week? Yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit of a controversial add-on this week. It's a pretty, it's a, a pretty large one, and a lot of people like it. A lot of people don't like it for various reasons. And that add-on is Quest Helper. Now, Quest Helper is a WoW add-on that integrates a list of waypoints for quests that are listed in your quest log and integrates that into your world map. So think of a GPS for WoW. So if you go pick up a quest, you get a little GPS arrow that tells you pretty much where you're going to go, how far off it is, and sends you on your way. So there are some different options that you can get with Quest Helper. Your forward slash QH is going to display a list of all your, your command options. You can do QH settings. Uh, your QH hidden will display a list of hidden objectives within the quest. You can turn on and off the little uh, dot trails on your map uh, by typing QH ants. You can remove all the quest data if you need to by typing QH purge. Uh, you can also do a QH hard reset, one word, hard reset, if you have some major problems, if Quest Helper isn't working right. That'll set it all to basically default settings. And you can hide the mini-map arrow and add-on icons and paths and everything else by typing QH hide. It'll tell you what you can hide on there. So what this does for a lot of people is it enables them to very quickly get into a quest, get the objectives for said quest, get that quest done in a very fast and timely manner. One of the downsides of Quest Helper is it still doesn't deal with phasing very well. So it may tell you somebody's at a certain location and they're not there, or they'll tell you that they are there and what you know they're there, they're not, whatever the case might be. It may or may not uh, point you in the correct direction based on phasing inside the game. Now phasing, if you guys remember, is when you or somebody else is on a different stage of the quest and the game or terrain or environment changes according to what stage of that quest you're on. And Quest Helper just has a hard time dealing with that. Now some of the player negatives, and I know Freckleface, you fall into this category, not that not that it's negative or anything, it's just towards this particular add-on, that it tends to take away some of the immersion of uh, the actual gameplay. What do you feel about that? Well, I know a lot of people don't feel like this, but when I get a quest, I will read the whole thing. 
Because to me, that's interesting. I like to follow the little storylines. And I would rather go and try to find something myself based on the description and based on the directions first. I mean, if it takes me, you know, a little bit longer than I'm patient for, sure, I'll go look it up, get some coordinates. But I'll always try to find it first. And, you know, there are a lot of really interesting quests in the game. You know, for example, in Outland, um, you find this guy's journal, you take it to his wife, and she wants you to go find him. It ends up, you basically end up giving um, uh, a potion to his mistress, and she turns into a pig. Nice. If he hadn't been reading it, you know, you wouldn't really get what was going on. And just little things like that that kind of amuse me. And so I, this isn't something I'm really interested in. Personally, but not that it's a it's a bad add-on, and I can really see it being helpful for, especially if you're leveling up a secondary character, and you've already done everything, and you kind of want that thing just kind of push you through there pretty quick. Right, and with me, when I found Quest Helper and started using it, I was already uh, past 70. I was already in, into my 70s, and, or, you know, out of it, actually, I guess. And I just really wanted to get to 80. That's all I really wanted to do, and you know I'm sure I missed off on I missed out on a lot of lore because uh, it was simple. I hit the quest. I don't see that quest tech text. It comes up. It goes away. I get my waypoint, and the more quests I pick up, I just follow my waypoint because Quest Helper is smart enough to put me on a path of how to go get all my quests done and make a big circle around the zone and come back and turn everything in. So the more quests I have in that zone. Using Quest Helper, I can be in and out of that zone in no time, have all the quests done uh, that I need to get done to get out of that zone and level up. But you're right. You miss out on a lot of the lore. Now, I know there's some people who are going to tell us, hey, I do both. I read the lore. I use Quest Helper just to get me going in the right direction. Um, and there's going to be other people that go, you know what? I'm just there to level up, put me in, let me PvP, let me do some uh, heroics, and I'm good to go. All the questions going to do is get me to that end objective faster. It's just different play styles. That's all there is. And that's one of the beauties of World of Warcraft is that it does allow those different play styles to coexist. So, you know, this is a quest. Like I said, it's one of those still controversial ones. Does it add to the game? Does it take away from the game? Does it help the person? Does it really deter the person from getting the overall experience that they deserve from the World of Warcraft? But, you know, that's it is what it is. Um, that's one we covered this week. Uh, you get it at questhelper.com, or you can use either WoW Matrix or... Curse Gaming to uh, to keep it up to date. And hey, if you use it, let us know if you like it. Let us know if you don't like it. Let us know. Let us know the reasons for those. You can send us an email to contribute at hearthcast.com. You can use a little uh, information submission form on our website to let us know. Or you can call it Hearthcast ACN Digital Hotline at 321-558-7637. Let us know what you think about Quest Helper. Well, you know, Root, one thing that I've noticed since questing in Northrend that the quest rewards, when it gives you the gear options, the titles of them are related to the quest. And that's kind of a new thing because I don't think that was the case in Outland or the Old World. And I'll give you an example, and this will kind of go into our pronunciation ponage. When you get the quest from, it's called Malice the Corruptor, you go into that guy and you get his head and you bring it into you bring it back to the guy who gave it to you, right? Okay. And the quest reward for that is leggings of the fastidious decapitation. Mmm. Mmm. 
with fastidious being showing or demanding excessive delicacy or care. So according to the quest, you went in not just decapitating, but you did it with excessive care. You're very detailed in your decapitation. Okay. Doesn't so sound that, like something a warrior would do, but... No, but maybe a rogue. Rogue would just be stealthy about it, though. See, a, a lock would just, you know, dot him to death. And then he'd have time to be... To show fastidious care in the decapitation. So, you know, a, pal- a paladin would do that, though. All right, moving on. You know, we're, I think you were asking me if I had any um, interesting stories with WoW. And when I was thinking about Children's Week, I also reminded me of another holiday that involved orphans. And the orphan matron, which was, um, you know, Howl's End. And this isn't my... this I didn't do this. This is from Holy Face in the Guild, actually. And he said that he went in the inn in Goldshire and saw a couple laying on the bed in their underwear. Nice. So what he did then is he had a bunch of tricky treats in his bag. So he scarfed down about 20 of them, threw up all over the bed, and then ran away. Oh, goodness. Oh, no. So the fun things you can do with uh, holiday items um, never cease to amuse me. That is, um, <laughs> ah, left me speeches on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> So we just wanted to say thank you to all of our avid listeners. Thank you for those who are emailing us, who have been calling the hotline. Um, a quick shout-out to all of our guildmates on the, on the Gorgonar server, the Faces of Azeroth. Uh, we just mentioned Holy Face on uh, for providing us the barfing anecdote there. <laughs> and, you know, any messages that are left on the uh, Digital ACN hotline... Those get entered into a monthly drawing for a Swag Dog t-shirt. This is a t-shirt that's got your tune name on it, your guild name. And, you know, if you don't like a t-shirt, we'll substitute a hat. It doesn't really matter. Uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.hardcast.com. Of course, call that digital hotline at 321-558-7637. You can email us at contribute at hearthcast.com or use our website submission form that is on our website. And what are we doing next week, Ruth? Next week we are going to talk about FUBAR, which uh, I believe, Freckleface, you believe is the best add-on ever. It is, and it's not an acronym. It is just FUBAR. Um, and it is so great that we are dedicating a whole show to it because there's just that much you can do with it. So if you've ever had any questions about FUBAR, wondered what it was, seen it, used it, had questions about it, or were afraid to use it, tune in next week to get all the insider information about FUBAR, the best add-on ever. Until next time, this has been Root and Freckleface from HearthCast.com. We also want to set our video... We also want to set our video. I don't even know what word I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, and we, we, we really do appreciate the um, 
You made me do that. No. I hate you. No, you don't. Uh, makes us feel a whole lot better about this whole thing. Yeah, really do appreciate that. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. A whole lot better about this whole thing. <laughs> You see, Lighthawk, you see, you ask for it, you get it. Oh, uh, I think, no, it's your fault. At least Blue Cruise. I asked for a lot of things. Right? That's what she said. <laughs> Why we can't move on yet to okay. redo that? Moving on. <laughs> no, I had to do this for 30 minutes. No, you don't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I kid, I kid, I kid. Let me just take a glass of water, though. Glass of water? <laughs> well, no. Well, thank you. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, you always crack me up at least like one time where I just like I can't get back on track. That's my job. Ugh, why do you do this to me? Yeah, entertainment. It is Muradin Bronzebeard's silver corn. So <laughs> stupid corn. corn. I totally said corn. Corn. It's <laughs> gonna make Bishop my corn for the week. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm gonna start over again. See Lighthawk. See, see what you've done. It's all because of Lighthawk. No, it's you. No, I'm you. Nope. you. No, you. You did it. It's Lighthawk. No, I was fine until you said Freckleface is going to mess up. I start messing up. <laughs> you and your mind games. <laughs> Tell that my tricks. Uh, it's Lighthawk. <laughs> uh, in the... Uh, in the... Ta-ta, the word is... Uh, immersement. And some of the immersement... Word? Immersion. Thank you. Immersion's a better word. <laughs> Hold on a second. Did you hear my cat? No. Okay. She's like next to me and kind of making noise. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Night of Hunter would just run away and cry. <laughs> and hide in the bushes. <laughs> oh, there goes the email box. Can I fill up? <laughs> Shut him out. Uh, well, anyways. 